Thank you for listening to this message from The Resting Place Tampa. Our hope is you feel honored, empowered, and full of faith because of everything you hear. For more great resources like this, go to trptampa.com. So we're in this series called Why Are We Here? All of you are here. We should know why. Yeah? We had this whole lockdown thing where we've kind of proved we could do most of what we do online, right? So the whole coming back together, reopening churches, calling them essential, all of that conversation needs to have a good reason, right? We got to have a good reason to come together, amen, especially in this day and age. And so there's been uh, multiple postures around this, and there's been multiple ways that people have gathered, but I just want to talk about the why. Why are we doing this? And so last week, we talked about the Church of Acts and how we're not going back to the book of Acts. We're becoming the church of today. We're not going to hope to go back and do an old thing. We're going to do the new thing the Lord is doing. Hello. And so you can watch that on our our YouTube channel or wherever online um, to get the context for that. But today, I want to talk about the highest use of this gathering and the highest form of this gathering, okay? Because in asking the question, why are we here, we, we need to understand there is a highest use. We could do this a certain kind of way. We could do it for a certain reason, right? Fellowship is good right? Seeing one another at once a week is really good. Being family is really good. Connection with one another is really good. There's a lot of good reasons to gather. Amen? But I want to know heaven's purpose. I want to know heaven's divine assignment on this gathering. Anybody else? Anybody with me? Okay, let's find out together. So I'd like to submit to you that the highest use of the gathering of the saints is ministry to the Lord. I'd like to tell you and submit for your consideration that the Highest purpose and the highest use of our gathering is not for me to minister to you. It's for us to minister to him. I know. It's a little paradigm shifting because, you know, we go to church to get fed, right? Told Peter, feed his sheep, right? Told all this stuff. Well, you know, there might be a reason there's that whole, I don't feel fed at that church. I don't feel fed over there. My question is always the same. Will you eat once a week? I'm a little confused. You're feeling hungry. Maybe it's because you don't read your Bible any other day of the week. Maybe it's because you're not spending time in prayer when you're not at church. Maybe. So listen, I'm not here to feed you. I'm here to make you hungry. I'm not here to feed you. I'm here to teach you how to eat well. (laughs) That's my purpose. I'm not here to minister to you only. I am ministering. I'm, I'm serving you right now. That's what ministry means, by the way. It's the word servanthood. So if you want to be in full-time ministry, go serve somebody all day long. There you go. All right? You would not believe how much, how little glamour there is with my job. Okay? It's a lot of text, emails, and phone calls where I just have to just, okay, okay, and this, okay, and this. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. It's true. It's servanthood, right? The highest form of leadership is servanthood. So the highest use of our gathering is serving the Lord himself in worship. Okay, we come to give to God. We don't come to get. And I am ministering to you. I am serving you, but only so that you can serve him better. Amen. That's all I'm doing. I'm ministering to you so that you can minister to him. Amen? Does anyone want to be a better servant to the Lord? Anybody want to serve the Lord? Anyone want to worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness? Come on. Yeah, I want to help you do that. That's my job. Amen? So we're going to talk about the stuff we give to God. We, it's funny to think about giving to God, right? Because God doesn't need anything, right? What's the list of things God's need? There, there's nothing on that list, right? That God doesn't need anything, right? And yet he's asked, he asks for things. He asks for worship. It's not that he has a need. It's that you do. 
It's not that he has a need. It's that you have a need. And he knows what will meet that need. It's you giving. You learning how to be a giver. It's you learning how to serve. And he says, I'll let me be the training grounds for how you serve them. God knows that we have to grow in this thing. God knows that we have to get better at it. So this is a training ground where he's not going to get offended if you don't serve him well. Okay? So that you can go serve them well. Is anyone hearing what I'm saying? This is like a safe place to try the whole serving one another thing. (laughs) Yeah? By serving the Lord. He puts himself on the front line of it. It's really good. So we give three things in worship in this time that we come together. We give thanks, we give praise, and we give worship. We're going to talk about those three things, okay? So the first thing we give is thanks. Thankfulness has to do with God's hand in our life. Say hand. Whenever you're giving thanks to God, it's because he has done something, right? It's because he has... He has given you something. He has delivered you from something, right? You're not thanking God uh, uh, in any way other than looking back, right? You're looking at what he has done. The only way to be thankful is something has to happen for you to be thankful about, right? You can't be thankful for the future, technically. You have to be thankful for the past, right? And so we, the first thing in Psalm 100 verse 4, it says we enter his gates with, say it with me, thanksgiving, right? His courts with praise. And it says give thanks to him. Bless his name, okay? So we look at God's faithfulness. We look back at God's faithfulness in order to move forward in worship. Are you following me? The, the picture of gates and courts and all that stuff, what is going on here? That's the talking about the tabernacle of Moses, the temple, right? There's a gate, there's an outer court, and then there's the inner holy of holies, right? And that's where the actual sacrifice worship happens. That's where the presence of God was. Well, now the, the, that's all a prophetic picture of us. So what we should hear from this is that we start with thanksgiving. We thank him at the gate. Before he does a single thing, before God does another thing today, we should say, thank you, Jesus. That's why we started with that song. Yeah? It was a moment of thankfulness. Before anything happens, let's say thank you. Right? And that's, that's entering his gates with thanksgiving. Now, there's something really interesting about the word gate there. It can also be translated storms. We enter his storms with thanksgiving. Any ever, anybody been through a storm before? Yeah? Yeah? Enter his storms with thanksgiving. We're grateful because he's brought us through every storm and into the safety of his courts. Are you following me? I've been through a few storms, and I'm thankful that God, a gate swings both ways, you know? Like he's, he's opened it for me, and he's brought me in. There's, there's this opening of the way for it. I'm thankful because I, one, one, that I keep mentioning this whole weekend is that I had a storm with our firstborn son. My, my wife and I, our firstborn was, he came out one pound, 11 ounces at 24 weeks old. He was born 24 weeks old, which is three months early, one pound, 11 ounces. It was a scary time. We lived at the NICU of Tampa General for four months. If you don't call that a storm, I don't know what a storm is, okay? He fit in my hand when he came out. All right, and he was in an isolate, and we, he grew in there, and he left the hospital totally normal, totally healed, completely self-reliant, total miracle, total miracle. They kept giving him a 10% chance to live until I kicked him out of his NICU room, and I was like, no, you cannot say that anymore. I didn't say it that nice, but, and I want to make it sound all spiritual, but it wasn't. I was like, don't you, yeah, anyway. So, <laughs> listen, <laughs> words are powerful. So we had that storm, but someone pointed out to me after the first gathering this morning that there was actually a literal storm when that happened. I'd totally forgotten. You remember that storm, Irma? Remember Category 5, like supposed to be the worst storm in history? It still landed, which I was upset about. It was like a soft two or something, you know? But I mean, I have friends in Naples 
I have friends in Naples who lost their homes. It's not fun. But they were saying it's going to devastate all of Central Florida, all that stuff. My wife and I, who were at Tampa General, on the island out there, in the direct path of the storm, locked down, not leaving the hospital because our son's in an isolate, and he's, you know, barely two pounds at this point. We stood out on that shore and demanded Irma to die. We commanded it to die. I got called a crazy person. I did. I got called an absolute nut job. I did. I did. The theology police were all over me on Facebook. It was rough. It was rough. And then the waters of Tampa Bay just left for some reason, and there was no storm surge. Remember that? Pictures of people walking on Bay Shore? Yeah, because we rose up and prayed. Not me, us. We did. We said, no, no, uh, my kid's in there. You can't come this way. Sorry. You need to die where you are. We enter his gates with thanksgiving. We knew who he was. We know who our God is. And we said, no, 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 not today. So the first thing we do as we come together as the people of God is we give, help me, thanks, right. That has to do with God's hand. Yes, you're listening, good. Teacher Caleb is here, teacher hat on. The second thing is we give praise, say praise. praise. This has everything to do with the proclaiming the goodness of God's heart. Where thanksgiving is about God's hand, what he does, praise is about his heart, who he is, his nature, who God is. Is this helpful? Is this helpful? Good. So Psalm 86, 12 says, I will praise you, Lord my God, with all my heart. I will glorify your name forever. Some translations use, I will thank you instead of praise. But this is actually the, one of the seven Hebrew words for praise. It's yada. It's actually on my arm. It's the root word of Judah, my son's name. So when it says, I will glorify your name forever, we have to understand that a name in the Bible was not just a title. It was a character assignment. Whenever someone was giving a name in scripture, it was actually a, like a prophetic word over their destiny. It was who you're going to be, okay? I like to joke whenever I speak at a new place about my name because it is very prophetic. Caleb means dog in Hebrew. Yes, it does, but it also means bold leader. I like that one. Some people call, say it actually means brave heart. I really like that one because William Wallace is like me in the spirit, you know, the blue paint, blood on his face. That's yeah, I see, my, I see myself in there. Anyway, it, but it can mean dog. And Marcus means war hammer or warlike hammer. So I tell people, if you feel like I'm barking at you or hitting you over the head with something, it's not my fault. Blame my parents. Blame everyone who calls me by my name, Caleb Marcus. It's just, it's just, it's the reality of my name. That's kind of a joke, but not really. Okay, so in the Bible, names meant more than just what you were called. It's who you were. And they often centered around events. Okay, so when it says glorify his name forever, we're saying glorify his character, nature, and likeness. That's what praise is. You ever wondered why when you prayed in the name of Jesus, something didn't happen? Well, it might not, been in, like, it might not have been in line with the character, likeness, and nature of Jesus. Like praying for your coworker to lose their job? <laughs> not only me? I'm the only one? Okay. All those other professional Christians online have prayed that prayer. No one here. No one here, right? Yeah. Well, that, just because you throw in the name of Jesus on the end doesn't like, make it magical and all of a sudden God's going to answer it. Well, God answers all the prayers. You know, sometimes he says, no. <laughs> sometimes that's God's answer. You know? In the name of Jesus. Praying in the name of the Lord means you're praying in line with his character, likeness, and nature. It has to do with praise. Are you following me? Yes. Okay. So, Thankfulness has to do with his, say it louder, thankfulness has to do with his, praise has to do with his heart, 
And worship is the third thing we give, and it always has to do with sacrifice. Okay? So in the Old Testament, a worship gathering required an animal to die. Is anyone grateful? Anyone want to give thanks to God right now that they're not in the Old Testament, their Old Covenant? Yeah, me too. I would not want to be a church leader in that because I don't want to see how my food's prepared. I don't want it. I don't want to know what it goes through. I just want to buy it from the store, take it home. I don't watch those documentaries. I don't do it. Stop sending them to me. I just want to eat in peace, okay? You deal with that problem. I got my list. I'll handle mine. You handle yours, okay? So I would not be... A, a fan of that kind of worship gathering, right? They literally, it was like a meat locker in the temple, y'all. I mean, they would kill animals in order to enter the Holy of Holies. The presence of God required a sacrifice. Are you following me? In order to experience the presence, something had to die. And we now can present our bodies as Romans 12:1 says, a living sacrifice, right? Anybody heard this before? Acceptable to God, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. So we're not a dying sacrifice. We're a living sacrifice because one died so all may live. The one Lamb of God was slain so that we might have access. Listen, they had to kill something, an animal, in order to enter the Holy of Holies. And God came and died so that he could leave it. God came and died so that he could rip through the veil. He could leave the Holy of Holies. And enter into a whole bunch of walking holy of holies. Did you know you're the holy of holies on two legs? Did you know you carry the whole fullness of God right now, no matter what your behavior is like? As soon as you say yes to Jesus, you are filled with the whole fullness of God. Colossians 2, 11 through 12. Check me, Facebook police. Colossians 2, 11 through 12. I found a thing. The more I talk to them, the less they message me. It's great. So if you're wondering... That's why I do that. Anyway, the Hebrew word for worship means to fall down, to lay down. It's a picture of laying down your life, giving your life away. Just what Jesus did. He laid down his life so we could experience the presence of God everywhere we went. Amen? Come on. He no longer dwells in temples made by man's hands, but he dwells in people. Right? The Holy of Holies is not a place. It's a people. It's a people. I'm looking at the ark. I found the ark of the covenant. It's in your chair. (laughs) Look no further, archaeologists. I found it. Here it is. And it's going to leave here. You you know, follow you home. There's the Ark of the Covenant. We're no longer those who go into the presence. We are those who carry the presence. And when we lay our lives down, when we give ourselves to the Lord completely, that's what releases the presence of God. When you sacrifice for a friend. When you give to a neighbor, when you take time out of your day for a divine disruption and love the least of these, that's worship. That's a living sacrifice. Amen? Good news, you don't have to die. He did. Amen? Amen. So Thanksgiving has to do with God's hand. Praise has to do with God's heart. And worship has to do with sacrifice. That's point number one. Okay? You guys okay? We're going to go on to our I only have two points. Don't worry. I have two points. That's point number one. <laughs> You're all like, oh, <laughs> they know we'd be here all day. No. I know. The highest use of the gathering of the saints is ministry to the Lord in that way. Thanksgiving, praise, and worship. Amen? So, in some circles, the worship's a warm-up for the sermon. 
Here, the sermon's a warm-up for the worship. I don't particularly like it. Okay? I kind of like having a whole time of worship, just me and Jesus, and then, and, and then I get to, like, ride the wave, you know? I kind of like it. It's easier. This is much more difficult. It's got to be actually anointed all on its own. <gasps> requires me to pray more. requires me to rely on myself less. Sounds like God's plan. I don't like it. Just telling you. <laughs> I'd just rather be honest with you. Like, I'd rather tell you the truth. Is that okay? Okay. Or do you want me to, you know, be holy and dishonest? Okay. So, the highest use of the gathering is ministry to the Lord, right? The highest form of ministry to the Lord is bridal affection. The highest form of worship is bridal affection. The bride of Christ is the body of Christ. The body of Christ is called the bride of Christ. Let me help the men for just a minute, okay? Because this helps me, all right? You can't be the bride of Christ on your own. The bride of Christ is always a corporate expression in Scripture. So you can be a son, you can be a daughter all by yourself. But you cannot be the bride all by yourself. Yeah. Guys, just like, whew, okay, good. It's a metaphor for the gathering of the saints, the corporate expression of God's people. Yeah. Amen? This is proven in Scripture. Isaiah 54, verse 5 says, Your maker, this is speaking to all of Israel, your maker is your husband. The Lord of hosts is his name. And the Holy One of Israel is your redeemer. The God of the whole earth he is called. How does it feel? To be married to the God of the whole earth, church. He pays the bills, you know. He fights off the, the wolves. He, you know, watches the gate. He's, he's your protector. Come on. I know. We talk about gender roles. Everybody freaks out. But they exist. I can't carry a baby. No matter what happened in that weird YouTube video I watched, I cannot carry a baby. Don't Google that. Oh. Again, stuff you don't say on live stream. That's the Old Testament, Isaiah 54, 5. Here's the new one, Romans 7, 4. says, my brethren and sisterin, by the way, the word carries both my children, my people. You also have become dead to the law through the body of Christ that you may be married to another. Capital A. It should be a capital A. To him who was raised from the dead. That can't be anybody else, right? And then Ephesians 5.32 says, Marriage is the beautiful design of the Almighty, a great and sacred mystery meant to be a vivid example of Christ and his church. I want my marriage to preach better than any sermon. And in fact, your marriage should preach louder than any of mine sermons. It should. So when the church is gathered together, the Lord doesn't see sons and daughters. The Lord sees a bride. In Revelation, it says he's coming back for a pure bride. doesn't say he's coming back for a husband. Sorry. If this offends your sensibilities, this is a mystery, right? If you just like a mystery, that means it's mystical. That means it's a, probably like more metaphor than literal, obviously. Yeah? How can all these people be one bride? It's a mystery. It's God's mystery. It's the way he wants it. Let's give God what he wants. That's why the season of hiding is over and gone, and the bride needs to come together again. The bride needs to come together again. 
Sons and daughters have been hunkered down. That's fine. That season is over. When we're separated, God sees sons and daughters. When we're together, God sees the new Jerusalem. Let me break it to you. Let me mess with your eschatology. The new Jerusalem is not a place. It's a people. He said, I saw, John said in Revelation, I saw the new Jerusalem coming out of heaven towards the earth as a bride adorned for her husband. Think about that. We're not going there. We're becoming that. God sees a radiant, the radiant bride of Christ. I'm going to have the band come up because we're going to go into worship, a time of ministering to the Lord. And I'm going to, we're going to multitask, okay? I know this is weird. It's different. They're moving. You're okay. Yeah? When Mary, you remember this? Mary poured out ointment on Jesus' feet, right? In John chapter 12. This was her breaking open her praise perfume, the flask, right? And they, it says a year's wages in a lot of translations. Some scholars actually have proven that it's, it could be that or it could be her entire family inheritance. Some assert that it could be the equivalent of the bride price she was to receive. Did you hear what I just said? Mary gave her bride price to the bridegroom. Why do you think Jesus said everywhere this gospel is preached, she will be mentioned. This sacrifice will be mentioned. What I think is awesome, and I saw for the first time this week, is that Mary anoints Jesus' feet with oil and washes them or dries them with her hair. Hair is a picture of devotion in Hebrew culture. And then that's the beginning of John 12. The beginning of John 13, Jesus washes his disciples' feet. Not by accident, not a coincidence. These two things are one chapter away from another. And I got a revelation this week. I'm just submitting this to you that that is what happens when we come together and worship. That's the best picture of a, a new covenant worship gathering. We pour out our oil. We give our devotion to the Lord. We minister to him. He turns around and washes our feet. <laughs> All at the same time. Wow. Isn't that amazing? Why would, why would we hope for that? Well, because Isaiah 52, 7 says... By no accident, how beautiful on the mountains are the feet of the messenger who brings good news. The good news of peace and salvation. The news that the God of Israel reigns. We need to come in here, minister to the Lord, and let him minister to us so that we can bring the good news of the gospel. That the God of Israel reigns over fear, trauma, hatred, pain. Every single problem is answered in the solutionary of Christ in you. The hope of glory. Christ in you is the only hope of glory your family has. Christ in you is the only hope of glory your neighborhood has. You're there for a reason. You need to come here. We need to gather to minister to the Lord. But we need to be washed of the muck we've been stepping in so we can be pure carriers of the message of peace. The whole armor of God includes the sandals for the gospel of peace. Amen? So the highest use of this gathering is ministry to the Lord. The highest form of ministry to the Lord is bridal affection. Thank you for listening to this message from The Resting Place Tampa. Our hope is you feel honored, empowered, and full of faith because of everything you hear. For more great resources like this, go to trptampa.com.